If you want to make an audiobook, go to thetalkingbook.org. That's thetalkingbook.org. Check out these amazing writers, narrators, indie publishers. Come to Asheville. We record books in a booth. Here's the show. Hey there, friends and family. This is Chris Hartram coming at you live from the talking book in sunny Asheville, North Carolina. It's here and only here that you'll find the finest unabridged audiobooks known to man, woman, and child. I hope everybody out there is doing great. I'm doing okay. My children and my baby mama, my fiance, uh, that's the same person, are all healthy and beautiful so I shouldn't complain. Fall is here. It's crisp. It's extremely crisp. If you haven't been to Asheville in the crisp autumn air, my God, get here. Get here now. I did, in fact, uh, officiate my friend's wedding, for those of you that listened to the last episode. Um, I know everybody's very curious about how I did. I think I did okay. Uh, People came up to me. And they said, I did good. They said, you did good, Chris. You did real good. But, you know, you never can tell, can you? It just goes to show you never can tell. I had, uh, I had more friends, you know, on the, upswing, on the upside, I had more friends ask me to officiate their wedding, you know, after the fact. So I guess that's a good sign. But therein lies the problem, you know. If you do too good of a job, you have to keep doing it, you know. And, of course, it was an honor. It was an honor. I loved it. Childhood friend. But you know, this is my new career. This is my new career. Is it a question? Is this my new career? You know, joining people in marriage. Dave, Dave Burr, the talking book number two guy, audio engineer extraordinaire, was was the DJ because it was our, both of our friend that we grew up with. So, you know, it's it's Chris Hartram, it's Dave Burr, it's Talking Book, uh, pretty much. It's a new business, Talking Book by Day, Talking Weddings by Night, talkingweddings.org. If you'd like to have us do your wedding, record your wedding live, record your wedding as an audiobook, go to thetalkingwedding.org. <clears throat> anyway, uh, today I'm very lucky to be sharing with you a reading by the great Janice Lee. Her new book is called Imagine a Death. We actually ran the very first excerpt of uh, the book in its earlier stage uh, back in the day, so I'm really excited to be playing this excerpt uh, from the novel. Um, And here's here's the synopsis. Uh, In the face of a slow but impending apocalypse, what binds three seemingly divergent lives, a writer, a photographer, an old man, isn't the commonality of a perceived future death, but the layered and complex fabric of how loss, abuse, trauma, and death have shaped their pasts, and how these paths continue to haunt their present moments, a moment in which time seems to be running out. Sounds awesome. Um, Imagine a Death examines the ways in which our pasts envelop us, the ways in which we justify horrible things in the name of survival, all of the horrible and beautiful things we are capable of when we are hurt and broken, and the animal and plant companions that ground us. So yeah. The novel came out September 15th from Texas Review Press. Just came out. 
Uh, really excited about it. I think you're going to like this excerpt from Janice Lee. So without further ado, here is Imagine a Death by Janice Lee. Chapter 34, The Old Man, from Imagine a Death. It was as surviving a shipwreck, as if he knew exactly how many days had passed since the ship had run aground in the storm, but what had been lost was not a ship, some wooden vessel that would transport him away from where he might be able to sit, legs crossed in the sun, one hand holding a glass of lemonade and the other an oatmeal cookie. No, he had lost something far greater, something that felt like bones cracking, like being torn asunder under a starry sky, like perhaps his old life was lost forever, and here I don't know how to go on, he thought, as if surveying the island he had washed up on, as if this was the shore where he might die, and it was hard to know if this was the very shore he had originally set sail for, but here he was, grieving the loss of something he couldn't remember, and when he looked out upon the vast darkness what he saw was the blue sky, just like in the Emile Nolde painting, thick and blue and green and dense and swallowing, that sense of gazing for a long while at something, but only the tiniest stirs and movements that let you know you are not eyeing an artificial image but the real landscape, just that still, just there, still and still. And then something stirred in his chest, a great and urgent desire to know how to set sail. That is, he had been fixed at this point for so long, how long had he been simply standing there on the shore, soaked through and filthy, the other survivors asking him more and more specific questions that he couldn't answer? And all he could do was continue to listen, that is, continue to live his life in the way that he had, with so much control over everything around him to make things just so so that everything had revolved around him. And even when hit by a storm such as this one, he had somehow managed to keep it all in orbit. But he did remember, didn't he? He knew he had to get out, even if he died on the journey, wasn't life just a journey to death anyways, and he whispered, as if the incantation would make it true, I'd like to know how to set sail. There he stood, at the edge of his bed, hunched over, his right hand still grasping the mattress for support, outside some kind of maddening squall of birds and dogs subtracting, and he thought for a moment he could feel the slow, binding movement of the ground beneath him. A sort of rumbling that vibrated his feet, a tremor that emanated from difference, that is, the difference in remembering and not remembering that had triggered all of it, and the mattress was all he could hold onto to keep himself from shuffling like a crab, and because he was tired, he stood still, stood completely still for just a moment, longer to open his eyes and see. Wasn't it just the morning, or was it the feeling of the cold ground on his bare feet that might drive him to insanity? After a recent accident, the old man had slowly been losing his sense of smell and taste. The injury had mostly affected his nervous system and his sense of balance, but the doctors explained how his ears and nose and brain were all linked, and at first he took solace in the fact that he was still mobile and would take his evening walks and listen to the birds outside. 
But as his sense of smell and taste faded, so did his connection to food and the memory of his mother and the desire to walk to the grocery store and the usage of his joints and his interest in organizing the spices and his enthusiasm in organizing it all. And gradually all the pleasure of chewing food dissipated. And because he had to eat but couldn't enjoy it, he started to feel more and more like the food he was chewing inside of his mouth than the chef preparing the food. And he began to have dreams of being diced up and thrown into a boiling pot of broth or being pruned then plucked alive in a giant monster's mouth taking a bite out of his side. And one day he planted two tomato plants on his balcony and it became his morning routine to come outside each morning to check in on the plants the breeze next to them, to try his best to shield them from the heat, but let them absorb some of the sunlight. And he could sense their struggle and the climate, and he could only describe it as the feeling of getting close to a fire, or to a truce. And it was all he could do to prevent himself from drowning in the heat, from simply slipping away into steam, but the tomatoes articulated for him better than anything else what was happening. And each morning he would check to see if the tomatoes had ripened, and it was his conviction, and the hopelessness of the situation, the hope was in the despair that kept him going after all. He felt no need to try to explain his own actions to himself, but he had made mistakes and he had chosen a certain trajectory that couldn't be undone, and wasn't this the kind of waiting that could lead to something quite extraordinary? He knew the facts. The tomatoes were not ripening. Though, day after day, he offered his eyes and pruned them and watered them and watched the sun. It was too hot. In these extreme temperatures, the tomatoes wouldn't begin the process of senescence and therefore wouldn't ripen. Senescence was essentially the process of getting old. The old man was now old, getting older, and he too, like the plants, was sessile and barely left his apartment Tomatoes, when ripening, give off ethylene, which induces other nearby fruits to ripen. Smoke also gives off ethylene. Burning almonds gives off ethylene. If one were to pick the unripened tomatoes and bring them into the apartment where it was cooler and expose them to the smoke of burning almonds, senescence could be artificially induced. This is the same process that gives color to autumn foliage, whereby the leaves become bright red or orange or yellow, and then, at their peak of beauty, fall to the ground. The descent that makes it possible for others to ascend. It is possible for anosmic plants that are mutants to lose their ability to sense ethylene, anosmia being the loss of the sense of smell and the old man after his accident was now anosmic and had therefore lost the ability to smell, which also meant that he had lost the abilities to taste and to maintain balance, and though he couldn't ride a bike anymore, found pleasure in other activities like roasting almonds, letting them burn, watching the smoke, and simply waiting. The old man didn't want to be led astray by the facts, though, because, as he knew, facts often betrayed and deceived and oversimplified things. And he had learned his lesson in the oversimplification and overcontrol of life. He had reached a point where a collective self might strip himself of all of his masks to show his nakedness and be free of any tethers to the past.
But he was not haunted by his past. He had longed to be haunted by her ghost. He would have been less alone. Yet he had managed to survive without the desire to survive. He had gone to great lengths to ensure his continuance. And when a man loses his love or the obsession that drives him, and when a man is unable to taste the tomatoes that he grows and eats, there is a slow careening down the side of the mountain, the tumultuous crash that happens in slow motion, and the arrival at the base of the mountain where a ship has been torn apart by the rocks, and there lies the single survivor of the shipwreck. And this is when one understands that no map can show a man his fate, that it is his tether to the unknowable and inexplicable that becomes more important even than love. And when one dead man meets a survivor, not even the narrator can tell which is which. Okay. That was Imagine a Death by Janice Lee. You can get that book now from Texas Review Press. It just came out. Anywhere great books are sold. I'm going to leave a link in the show notes. The author Janice Lee is a Korean-American writer and is the author of seven books, including The Sky Isn't Blue from Civil Coping Mechanisms 2016. And of course, Imagine a Death you can get now. I hope you like the reading. I hope you'll get Janice's book. Thanks so much to the author, Janice Lee, for recording that excerpt for us, supporting the talking book over the years. And thank you, uh, listener at home, for you know hanging with the talking book and supporting independent literature, recorded or otherwise. Go to thetalkingbook.org for more about our publisher and our recording studio. You can find lots of great unabridged audio books, um, recently re- released the Second Diary of Anais Nin, um, Sleepovers, Ashley Brian Phillips. We've got the new William Boyle book in production right now. John Lindsay's Body High coming at you soon. More episodes of this podcast. My name is Chris Hartram. Thank you, everybody. I love you all. Like a bishop who has forsaken sympathy Chasing sister squares I was lit Before I knew that you were there Like an angel Who has forsaken certain Sleeping in the square I was lit Before I knew The storm was passing over And the window